Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. First, I want to just mention uh, Palm Sunday. It's very important because it's mentioned in all four Gospels, and it is actually the triumphal entry of Jesus, you know, as he rode on the donkey. And um, it was already prophesied in Zechariah chapter 9 and 9 that the king would come on the donkey. And we know that there were 60 major prophecies of the coming of the Messiah and that Jesus fulfilled every one. And so the scripture says that they had uh, the palm branches and the children were waving, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And what does Hosanna actually mean? It Hosanna, the word Hosanna means save, please. Save, please. We're living in a time when we need God to save us, when he got to save uh, again. And so, you know, you might not have a palm branch where you are, but you can grab a leaf from the tree outside or something and just start waving it and just go through your house and saying, Hosanna, 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 because only God can save us in this season, and, and, uh, and he will. And he wants to, and he is, and I thank God for that. So I just wanted to mention that because uh, Palm Sunday is important for that reason. But what I want to talk to you about today, this morning, is what does it mean? Or how does one learn to trust God in times like these? Um, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight or direct your path. We're living in a time right now where anxiety and fear is just consuming people and, and overwhelming people. We've gotten a lot of calls to pray for this one, to pray for that one. The scripture tells us that we are going to experience in our lives different seasons. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and 4 says it's a time to weep, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to live, a time to die. So we go through a lot of different seasons. Um, some of us, well, most of us, all of us, everybody that I know anyway, no matter how rich you are, no matter how poor you are, you will face a storm in your life. I remember uh, just just a couple years ago when a storm was facing towards, uh, the hurricane was facing towards my parents' house and it looked bad and Pastor Butler was here and he was saying, Portia, God says don't worry about your family. But the more that I tried not to worry about them, the more I worried about them. And because every, on the news, it just looked like no matter how hard I prayed, everything was getting worse. And the hurricane just kept coming towards her. Then another prophet came. Portia, the Lord says, he got your family. Don't worry about your family. And my crazy sister was outside with a, with a pot on her head and making videos. And I was like, get in the house. What are you doing? And I was all afraid. And even though I was trying to sing and I was trying to trust God, and it just seemed like things were getting worse. But in that experience, God taught me something. As the hurricane kept coming and it went straight towards my family and it kept going, but it got lesser and lesser and lesser in power. And I think it ended up like a two. And uh, the amazing thing about that was God spoke to me in that moment. And he said, Portia, 
just because you don't, you don't see me moving the way you want me to move don't mean that I'm not moving and God is moving for you. Amen. But fear is one of the greatest tools that the enemy uses against us. He uses not only against the believer, but the unbeliever as well. It has been said that faith is the currency of heaven, but it's also been said that fear is the currency of hell. Jesus asked a question and it's recorded in Matthew chapter eight and, t eight and 26. He said, why are you fearful? Isaiah 26 and three says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Because he, so what does it mean to trust in God? How can we learn in this season to trust in God? The scripture says in Romans chapter 12 and 2, it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God wants us in this season to be transformed. How do you, Pastor Portia, how do you, uh, how can God renew your mind with all these bombarding thoughts? Bishop Wellington Boone said something, and I wanna, I'm going to get back to that, but he said something um, on his podcast. He said, when the Lord wrote a book about you, it was about his plans for your life. Do you know that God has wonderful plans for you? Jeremiah 29, 11 says he has planned to prosper you. He has planned to give you hope. He has planned to give you a future. A lot of people don't know this, but I was engaged uh, before I met my husband, Pastor Stephen, with his fine, wonderful self, right? God blessed me, tremendously blessed me with my husband, Stephen. But before, I could have chosen my own will. I had wrote a list before God, and I had said, God, oh, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. And, you know, God gave me who I wanted. And then God came to me when I was fasting and praying. They had already announced our wedding, and God said to me, will you trade your list for mine? Will you trade your list for mine? I want you to know that God has a better plan for you than you have for yourself. How many times have we as Christians messed up the plan of God for our lives? How many times? How many times have we said, you know what, God, you just taking too long. I'm going to go ahead and go out and get my own relationship because you're not bringing me nobody. How many times have we messed up in financial decisions? How many times have we created an Ishmael? Hmm. something that God didn't want for our lives because he has a better plan than we have for ourselves. How many times? So we rush things wanting to get out of the season that we are in faster. I said earlier, I said, you know, there's a time and a season for all things. and There's going to be a winter season in your life. If not this, what? It's going to be something. But how do you learn to trust God in those seasons? 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. That thing that comes on you, oh my God, you know, that phone call, every phone call, that's not God. That heart beating really fast, that anxiety, that's not God. That's the spirit of fear. 
You got to take authority over that thing and say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I am a child of God. It's off limits here. Take the palm leaves. Come on. Wave them across. Come on. In Jesus' name, Hosanna in the highest. Whatever it takes, I refuse to give in to this spirit of fear. That word is, is the word delia, D-E-I-L-I-A. It is defined, that word fear is defined as timidity or a lacking of confidence and ability. But I got confidence that God is going to see me through it. So how does one learn to trust in God? Corrie Tim Boone, I love her. She, if you're not familiar with Corrie Tim Boone, she was in the concentration camps and she was a powerful woman, woman of God that God delivered out. And um, she, she, said, she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I'm going to say it again. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots by the stream. Planted by the water that sends out roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes. Its leaves, its leaves are always green. Always green. That means, come on, prosperous. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Jeremiah says here, when you have confidence, when you have dependence, when you have conviction in God, when you are sustained and you are rooted in his word, come on, you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. You are blessed, not like an ordinary tree, but a tree planted, but your roots are going deep and down into his words. Leaves are always flourishing because you're not just a regular tree. And we know that we are not, amen. There's times and seasons for all things. So never respond permanently to a temporary problem. Never respond permanently to a temporary problem. A lot of times people make decisions out of fear, make decisions out of anxiety. Don't do a, don't do a major decision then. Don't make a permanent decision then. Well, I just don't know about this person. just not working with me and my wife, me and my husband. Oh, about, ah! No, don't do it. Now is not the time. You're too emotional. Wait, chill. Come on. Trust in God. Start praying. Start reading your word. Start saying, God, I want to hear from you. I want you because I know you have a plan for my life. I know that you have a future for me that's greater than I can imagine. So nothing is permanent except God. Nothing is permanent except God. The situation you're going through right now is not permanent. And his promise God and his promise are the only thing that's permanent. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. My Julie, she's such a sweetie. Nothing remains the same. Everything changes. A lot of people get scared when things start changing. 
But there's a time and a season for all things. I want you to tell somebody in your house right now, say, did you know that God has no crisis? Just look at somebody in your house and say, did you know that God has no crisis? Crisis is not a permanent condition. The key is outlasting the season by allowing yourself to be rooted in God's word. Okay, so how does one learn to trust in God? If you have a paper, pen, write it down. You have a computer right now, write it down. Don't get distracted because I'm about to tell you how you can learn to trust in God. Number one, you got to get to know him. I don't think you can trust somebody that you don't know. I don't think that you can put your full weight, your full confidence in someone that you don't know. I was talking to my brother-in-law, Keith, the other day. He was married to my sister, Atara, in uh, Atlanta. And he was saying, I was saying, you know, Keith, how does one really learn to trust in God? And he said, okay. He said, I'm going to tell you like this. He said, when you learn to trust God, you give him the keys and you let him drive. Give him the keys and let him drive your car. Take your hands off the wheel, get out of the car, go to the passenger side, or sit in the back, but let God drive. But you got to know somebody in order to trust him to drive you somewhere. Because if you're afraid of somebody, if you're just like, oh, my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you going? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You're just going to drive yourself crazy. So you got to be able to give him the keys. I remember one time I was... Uh, having a hard time trusting God. I was having a hard time letting go, you know, because we think we know better. Well, God has to move this way because if he's going to, if he doesn't move this way, he's got to meet me, my finances this way. He's got to have, and then it don't happen the way you think it's going to happen. And I remember uh, I was in the car. I was, oh, I probably told you out this story before, but I remember uh, me and my husband was racing. We were doing this little, you know, the video games where you guys sit in one seat and he sits in the other seat. And we were racing arcade, yeah. So we are racing each other, and Stephen wins. I mean, he beats me bad. So I said, mine is broken. So he said, okay, well, you take mine. So he beat me again. And all of a sudden, I heard God say, you see, you think you know, but you got to let me drive. You got to let go. And I saw myself as this little girl and my dad underneath me. And I'm holding on to the bars and I'm holding on tight. And he says, let go. I'll catch you. I said, no, 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 no. Just get me down. Just grab my feet. Grab me and get me down the way I want you to because it's too scary. And he says, let go. And I'll catch you. God is going to catch you got to let go. But it's hard if you don't have a relationship with God. It's like reading a book about marriage and thinking you're an expert because you read a book. It's different when you really marry. Oh, when my husband does this, I'm going to answer him like this. When my wife does this, I'm going to answer her like this. I promise you it's different when you're in a situation. But when you've been married, you know, like Judy and Newt for years and years and years and different ones in our congregations for 50 years, they can tell you something about marriage. 
Come on, Chuck and Wilma, they can tell you something about marriage because they've been in, they've been in it long enough to say, okay, sit down, let me tell you something. So it's about relationship. Number two. So the first one, number one, is you got to get to know them. Number two is when you, you got to turn to him first. Write that down. Turn to him first. He is not your last option. He is not your, your, your second or third option. When you, wanna, when you really want to learn to trust in God, you're going to turn to him first. Because the scripture says, if you acknowledge me in all your ways, then I will direct your path. Number three, in learning to trust God, you, you need a correct perspective. I was talking to a friend of mine, Reggie, Archie, I haven't talked to him in many years, but he was on the phone with me, and I was like, you know what, Reggie, the scripture says that we are seated together with him in heavenly places. And he said, you know, when you said that, Pastor Portia, he said, I saw an arena. And he said, you know, he said, depending on where you sit in the arena will give you a different perspective. He said, so if you don't see good, you might need to move on up a little higher. We sing that, me and my family. My dad wrote a song called We Are Seated Together in Heavenly Places. Move on up, move on up higher and higher in God. And so you might not be seeing correctly. So God is saying, I need for you to move on up a little higher. Move on up higher and higher. Yes. Move on up. Move on up in your process of thinking. You can't be out down with the chickens when God has called you to Soar with the eagles. You got to come on up a little higher in your way of thinking. Amen. So you got to have a godly perspective. That's what my husband talked about last week when he was talking about, when he, in, in, in the book of Samuel, when he was talking about David and how he came back and everything was destroyed and, and people were, people wanting to kill David. Folk was crying, ah, you know, and David asked for the ephod, which represents him reaching for a heavenly perspective. A higher perspective than his own. So God is saying, I want you right now in this season in your life. I want you to reach for a higher perspective. I want you to see through my eyes. First of all, I love you. And I have a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, a plan to give you a hope, a plan to give you a future. I have a book about your life that I already wrote in the heavens. So I'm not going to let nothing happen to you. This is not your season to die. This is your season to live and proclaim the goodness of God. So I'm a witness that you can put all your confidence in him. I'm a witness that you can lean all your weight. I remember my brother Terrence who's here today. My brother Terrence used to tell me, Portia, you know why you keep getting hurt? Why, bruh? Because you're putting all your confidence in the wrong people. He said, listen to me. You remember that, Terrence? He said, listen to me. He said, you can only put all your trust, all your weight on the Lord because he will never fail you. And I'm a witness that he will never fail you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The scripture says, I am the vine. You are the branches. See, when you get saved, you receive a deposit of God.
And it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But then what you got to do is you got to dwell in him. You got to abide in him. You got to abide in his word. You got to abide and meditate on him. I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. You got to abide in him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So how is trust built? Number one, if you're taking notes, trust is built by faith. By faith. Without faith, it is impossible, the scripture says, to please God. He who comes to him must believe. And believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you got to have faith. You got to have faith that he's going to bring you through. You got to have faith that he is. Oh, man, when you start, when I guess, get excited when I start talking about the names of God. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. You got to get, you got to have faith in the name of God. Because all those names of God, when they went through what they went through, when they were going through the desert, when they were going through hard times, that's who he showed himself to be in that situation. You don't think God's going to show up for you? Oh, yes, he is. But you got to have faith. You got to believe. Years ago, I met a missionary from India. This missionary came, and he was talking about Portia. Oh, yeah, there's, there's thousands of gods in India. I was like, really? Yeah, thousands. He said, you know, they make them and they carve them in these little statues. And they say, okay, this god is for this, and this god is for that. And then he tells me, he says, you know, but if their God, if the God didn't do what they wanted him to do, they would get mad at the God and punish him. They would punish him and put him in a closet. When I heard this, I said, that is absolutely ridiculous. I said, I don't want a God that I can punish. I don't want a God that I can put in a closet. Come on, we serve a big God. Come on, we got to have faith in him. He has proven himself to us time and time and time again. Thank God he's so much bigger than that. The next thing is love. When you're building trust, you got to build it through love. It can't just be God you love. It's got to be people too. Uh Uh-oh. See, Pastor Portia, you was preaching good till you said that. No, you got to love everybody. Because the scripture says, love your enemies. It says to bless those who curse you. It says to pray for them who despitefully use you. And you got to pray for them. You got to love them. Because how can you love God whom you have never seen and be indifferent to your neighbor? So love. You're building trust with God. You got to love people while you're building trust with God. I'm just telling you. I didn't write it. It's just there. The next thing that you got to do, number three in building trust, is you got to be truthful. You got to build on the truth. You know, it's something because if somebody told you, I love you, I just love you so, 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 so. But then you find out that person talking about you, stabbing you in the back, you know, stealing from you. You know, you would seriously doubt that they love you. I promise you they don't. 
Because I always say actions speak louder than words. I wrote a song about it. Actions speak louder than words. If you say it, don't do it, it's heard. Louder what you do is seen and heard more than what you say. You got to live the life every day. You got to walk it. You got to walk the walk. Can't just talk it. You got to practice what you preach and be an example in word and in deed. You got to live the life so God's glory can be seen. I can go on. But actions speak louder than words. So you got to be truthful. You got to say, you know, to the people that are around you, I love you, and your actions need to line up with it. And then four, you got to make a commitment. You got to be committed to your relationship with God. You can't just say, Lord, I love you, Lord. Teach me your word. Okay, God, I, I want to know you. I, I want to get closer to you. I want to learn to trust you, Lord. But then you, you said that on Monday and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you don't even look at him. You don't even talk to him. You don't even look in the word. You don't even pray. And then all of a sudden, Lord, I love you. How I know my husband loves me because he spends time with me. Come on, baby, let's go for a ride. Come on, let's go, let's go walk around the water together. Come on, sweetheart, let's go to the movies together. Let's do something together. I know because I'm spending time with him. That's all God wants from you. He wants that right now. He wants you. People say, well, you know what, Pastor Portia, my therapist told me, in order to get rid of my anxiety, you know, that I can walk, I can, uh, I got to eat healthier, I got I got, I, I got to sleep well, I, I got to uh, practice breathing <sighs> techniques and everything, and, and then I got to get involved, maybe volunteer and everything, and that'll help me with my anxiety. I ain't mad at you. Not mad at you for that. But what I'm telling you, that above all, first, while you walking, put God first. While you walking, meditate on him. While you eating heavy, healthy, meditate on him. While you're sleeping well, be praying and seeking. The Bible talks about praying without ceasing. Come on, while you breathing, <gasps> be saying something in your mind about, I will trust in you. I'm meditating on the scripture and I'm learning the scripture right now. The youth, they're, they're learning scripture. I got a contest going with them. They're learning the scripture and they're meditating on the word. Because why? Because in Psalms 119.11, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So can we add prayer to what we're doing? Can we add praise and worship? Lord, I thank you while I'm walking. Come on. While I'm breathing, can we add praise and worship to it? Come on, I think we can. The scariest scripture in the Bible is found in Matthew chapter 7, 21, 22, and 23. It says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in, in thy name, have we not cast out devils? And in thy name, have we not done wonderful works? And in thy name, uh, I profess unto them, depart, he says. You work of iniquity, because I never knew you. To me, that is the scariest scripture in the Bible. Because you can be working for God, but you're not working with God. 
He said, I never knew you. So how do you know him? Naaman, one and seven is what it says. It says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows them that what? Trust in him. The Lord knows them that trust in him in him. So make a declaration. Lord, I trust in you. You are my king. I choose you, not some of these little gods. Not something that you can punish and put in the closet. Come on. I trust in you, Jesus. The one who fulfilled the prophecies, the one that they were waving Hosanna, Hosanna, because they knew that you were the one that could save. They knew it. Come on. To trust, you must know. You need a relationship with him. I need a deeper relationship. Every day I wake up, Lord, I want a deeper relationship with you. My mom, before she passed away, she told all of us, she said, I don't know what's going on with this generation. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. She said, listen, she said, you got to ask Jesus, Lord, I heard if I talk to you, that you would talk to me. Will you talk to me? When you open the Bible, I'm going to close with this story. I could go on and on and talk about this. I could talk about this. Let me just say a couple more points before I, before I close. But I, wanna, I want you to be vulnerable with God. God, I got it all together. And be vulnerable with people too. People that you know that love you. Don't be judgmental with people. It was sad this week, just sad when people were like posting stuff about Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, a powerful man of God, and saying, oh, they should arrest his whole church and all that. Man, that grieved my spirit. Because why do we as Christians, why do we judge people? Why do we, why are we the first one on the bandwagon? <laughs> why? When it was us, we don't want to be judged like that. So whatever measure you want to be judged by, you better give it to someone else. Whatever you want to be done to you, do to others. That's why the scripture says do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Talking about trusting God. Paul tells us, and it's recorded in chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 12. He says, talking about inner peace, and, and he's talking about, uh, he says, you know, I have had a lot of trouble Paul here is writing from a place in prison, but he learned something. He learned how to be content in every situation. Paul had learned to trust in God. He did not say, uh, I learned to be content uh, with, because there are some things that we don't need to be content with. There's some relationships that we don't need to be content with. But, but he says, I've learned to be content. Paul had an interpeace, a peace that passes all understanding. Paul had an inner peace, a God-like peace. That's that peace. That, that, that's that makarios peace. When it says in the word in the scripture, when it talks about blessed, that word blessed, a Christian, it means makarios means the one in whom grace Grace and strength always flows. It describes a person whose joy and grace continually flows out of them. People don't even understand. Why are you calm? Everybody running around here like they're crazy. Because I know the one whom my soul loves. 
I know Jesus. If God wants me to go, then he will take me and I'm ready. I started thinking about that. Portia, are you afraid to die? I have to ask myself the question. And if so, why? Am I ready? Am I doing everything that God has told me to do? Come on, my work is not over yet. So I know, I know when I was on that plane and that plane was going down, y'all heard me tell this. That plane was going down and the strong man was next to me and this, and I'm, and this, and this other lady was next to me. And all of a sudden the plane is going up and down and people are flying in the air. That's pretty scary, y'all. Turbulence. Coming back from Florida one time. And I remember thinking, wait a second. There is a box. There is a box on this plane. How do I want to be remembered? My family may get this box one day and hear me preach my last sermon. They will know that I went out strong. They will know that I kept the faith. And I started to start, I'm telling y'all right now, I started to witness the people around me. Now is the time for the church to arise, to put your trust in God, to put your hope in God. Now is the time for you to see the people around you that's hurting and say, I know someone that can get rid of this anxiety and fear for you. Can I just stretch my hands and pray for you? Come on. So I started to say on that plane, listen up. Everybody listen. The only one that can save us is Jesus. See, they had the revelation. They had the revelation when they was waving. Come on, Hosanna, the one that saves. Save, please. They knew who, who, who he was. Why? Because he had already proven himself. He had already became popular. He had already raised Lazarus from the dead. He had already healed the blind. He had already healed the deaf ear. They already saw all those things. So they were saying, Hosanna, the one that saves. Come on. Save us, please. That's what it means. So I told everybody on that plane, listen, everybody, this plane, the only one that can save us is Jesus. Call on his name and he'll save us. And I started asking the people next to me, do you know Jesus? Are you saved? If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Where? There's heaven and there's hell. There's no in between. Come on. All of this is happening to wake us up. We got to get ready. We got to get in a hurry. And I'm praying, God, I, I've heard people say, well, Pastor Portia, no, is this it? Is this going to usher in the one world government? Is this going to usher in the mark of the beast? Is this going to usher in? I don't know. But I know I'm going to be ready. I know I'm going to have a relationship with him. I know I'm going to be led by his spirit. That should be your answer. Not fear. Not fear. Come on. Not hiding. So the question that has to be answered is how does a person develop this inner peace, the peace that passes all understanding by learning to trust in God. Not giving in to fear, not being in the store fighting people over toilet paper. Come on. Come on. 
this inner peace, this, this long, my trust is in you. My hope is in you, the maker of heaven and earth. And we're going to get through this together in Counter Church. Come on. I want to close with this story. Thank you for playing for me, Franklin. And I've told you this story many times, but I want to bring it back to your remembrance. Just go ahead and play. It was a situation that literally changed my life and my walk with God. A friend of mine, Betty Walker, was going home to be with the Lord, and I went to be by her side. And for the first time in my life, I met her father. And I was sitting by her side, and her father said to me, young lady, if you wanted to communicate with the Chinese people, what language would you learn? I said, well, Cantonese or Mandarin. He said, that is correct. He said, if you want to communicate with the Hispanic population, what language would you learn? I said, well, Spanish. He said, that is correct. And then he said something. He held up the Bible. He said, but if you want to communicate with God, then you need to learn the language of the Bible. I remember leaving that day and I had to I had to preach a big conference somewhere, a women's conference. I remember going home and praying, walking the floor. Jesus, will you give me a word? Will you give me a word? Jesus, will you give me a word? Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you know me, you have the word. He said, stop reading the Bible to get a word. And start reading the Bible to know me. The number one thing that I want to tell you, me and Pastor Steve, today is this. That's the number one thing, to know him. To know him. So, Father, I thank you for Encounter Church, God. I thank you, God, that we were called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I thank you, Father, that you have written a book about us. It's a wonderful book, God. And I thank you, God, that you have a plan to prosper us, a plan to give us a hope, a plan to give us a future. So, Father, we rebuke the spirit of fear now in the name of Jesus the Christ who died and rose again. Father, we command it to leave now and be gone forever from us. Father, we pray that faith would arise, that hope would arise, that love would arise, God. Rise within our souls today, Father God. We pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us, Lord God. We pray, God, for a deeper relationship with you. Father, I thank you that peace is going through every home now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray right now, God, for those nurses. We pray for the nurses and doctors and people and healthcare workers and volunteers, God. We pray, God, that you would cover them and that you would keep them. Father, we pray for patients, Lord God, that are sick with this thing. Father, we pray right now, Lord God, that you would bring peace to their hearts and their minds, God. We pray for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We know who you are. 
you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You can do anything but fail. We thank you, God, for sending out warring angels. God, to just cover every single person, every single family, every single member that we love. Father, we thank you right now. Teach us to trust you, God. Show us that you are more than enough and that we can put all of our weight on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.